0: Today what I want to talk about is uh, God's Word and uh, living according to His Word. And uh, I'm going to run through Scripture. We're going to be all over the place, so just write down the, the Scripture if you have a chance to, because I don't think you're going to be able to keep up. I, 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 I can't even keep up. I had to, like, bookmark all the place in my Bible, so it's like one click on my iPad, I mean. But uh, before we get into that, let's just uh, pray. Just invite God to this place, and then we'll go from there. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you for this day, God. We thank you for uh, your presence that's already here, God. We thank you for that, that, that you promised that where two or three gather in your name, God. There you will be among them, God. We thank you for that promise, God. We thank you for that word that you spoke, God. And we see that it's coming to, to, to life today. Right in front of our eyes, God, we know that you're here, God, we just invite you to this place even more, God, to do whatever you want, God. Just move in this place, God. Speak to us, God. Change our hearts, God. Uh, transform our minds, God. Renew us today, God. And, and uh, give us a fresh breath, God, if that's what we need today, God. We, we love you, God. And in your name we pray, amen. Amen. Okay, first place I want to open up to is Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. We read this today in our Bible reading plan, and this is uh, God speaking through through the prophet Isaiah, and uh, He says, "So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth; it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it." So God is saying, when He's saying, when I speak, something happens with the words that i spoke they don't just go into a void they don't just go into emptiness something happens when i speak there's always results when i speak and uh and uh, there's a place in isaiah we read not too long ago it says it says like uh, the grass withers and the and the flowers fade away but my word remains forever something like i'm um, that's like Noah Asherov translation version that's not the real word but so then there's a place in in in, in Matthew, where Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will, will, will never pass away. And uh, I notice this trend through the Bible. God is constantly speaking about his own word. And it seems like he's placing that above everything else. He says, uh, he says my word is, is, uh, 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 is higher than everything else. And we'll uh, come to scriptures later on. But in, in uh, John chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 5. It talks about uh, uh, John, the the John. Anyways, John, John. He's talking about Jesus, and this is and this is like before even Jesus. This kind of like he's talking about the story before Jesus came to earth, and says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing." W- nothing was made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it then in verse 14 it says and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth it says talks about how the word was there from the very beginning of time it was there when god was creating the earth and then says the word became flesh The word became flesh. uh, In here when it says the word became flesh, it means Jesus was born on on earth. Christmas, year zero, hello. Jesus is born. The word becomes flesh. In Revelations chapter 19, verse 13, it's, it's talking about the end times. And again, it's talking about Jesus. It says, He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and His name is called the Word of God. So, from Scripture, it shows us that the Word of God is Jesus, and Jesus is the Word of God. And I was thinking about the Word. I was thinking about the Word. I know uh, I've said this a couple times already, but like these past couple months have been very crazy for me. And in this time, I just I fell in love with God's Word. I just I open it up, and 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 everything inside me just is full of joy, and I'm just excited to 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 read something that makes sense to me. You know, and it's like, and you open it up, and then remember a couple of, maybe about a week ago, a couple of days ago, we read Psalm 119, the longest book in, in the Bible. And I remember by our Bible plan, we were only supposed to read half of that Psalm. I, I started at the beginning, and then I, I realized that I already read the whole Psalm through, and then, and then I'm like, this whole chapter is about the Word of God this whole chapter. Then yesterday I was sitting there on my computer. I got the Bible opened up and I started counting every single verse that talked about the Word of God. There's 176 verses in that chapter. 171 of them say the Word of God in the verse. There's only five verses that don't talk about the Word of God. Three of those verses are, I don't know if it says uh, either David Daniel or Ezra wrote that chapter. But the writer, in in three of those verses, he's talking about how people are oppressing him because he's faithful to the word, obviously. One chapter talks about God's God's faithfulness, and another chapter talks about his mercy. But 171 out of 176 chapters talk about his word. That's the chapter, that's the longest chapter in the Bible. That's in the very middle of the Bible. There's the same amount of chapters afterwards and beforehand. That's right in the middle of the word of God. And he's putting his word above everything. And uh in, in in Psalm 138, it says it's uh I believe this is David saying, but he's saying you have magnified uh you have magnified your word above your name. He even says that he says, You put your word above your name. And I'm just thinking about this, I'm like Wow. You know, when we when I think about the name of God, when I think about Jesus, that's like that's the highest thing I can think of, but he says that he placed his word even higher than that. We, you know, we read this every single morning, and we got so used to it that it's become just like a book for us. But we need to understand that this book has been God placed it higher than Himself. These words that were spoken, these these prophecies that were spoken. You know, when we read the New Testament, and some of the text is in red. It's the words that Jesus spoke. That's Higher than anything else. So today we were singing a song that says your name is higher. His word is higher. You know, if we read the scripture, that's what it is. It's, we don't even usually think like that because we think, like in the song, your name is higher. That's like naturally that's what's in our head. It's like the name of God. Okay. But he says I put my word even higher than that. And 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 I was thinking about God's word, okay, God's word. And, and I was thinking about God as, as a... As a being, I was thinking about his his, his holiness and his purity and, and everything that he is. And he says he placed his word above that. That means if God can't coexist with sin, it means his word can't coexist with sin. Because it's even higher than that. So, and, and I started thinking about the fact that, that there's, there's all those scriptures. There's a the place that says a, a fig tree can't bear... Uh, it's like a fig tree can, can't bear g- grapes or something. And then the grapevine can't bear figs, uh, can bear figs. Then it says a, a spring can't have both fresh water and salt water. And I was thinking about how, how you can't have God's word and have sin in your life. They, they can't coexist. It's either one or the other. We talk about that often, how, how it's either black or it's white. There's no middle ground. Either you're, you're, you're right or you're wrong. There's, there's nothing in the middle that, 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 well, I could just get by. There's, there's none of that. You know, in school... To pass, all you need is a D. If you get a D, you can pass the class. You know, you're just getting by. You don't have that with God. With God, you either pass or you fail. There's no kind. Of, well, you kind of passed. Okay, you can enter my kingdom. Can you imagine God saying, well, you kind of did it. Okay, you can. That's like, that's not even the character of God. God will say either, good and faithful servant. With little you've been faithful, you know, and I'll, and I'll give you these cities and I'll give you more. And he says, lazy and wicked servant. He he doesn't have a, well, you were pretty good, sometimes. He doesn't have that. He he has one or the other. So we can't uh, coexist. In, in Second Timothy chapter three verses fourteen through seventeen, it says that all Scripture is inspired by God. It says that there was nothing that was that was written without God's inspiration behind it. It it uh, and then in Matthew chapter fifteen verse 8, eight verse eighteen, it says, the you know before that it's talk, you know it's like um. There are people saying, you know, you can't eat this, you can't eat this. And then Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter what goes in your mouth and settles in your stomach or whatever. What matters is what comes out of your mouth, because everything that comes out of your mouth is what's in your heart. And I was thinking about that, that fact that God can't coexist with sin. You know, if, if we're constantly talking about just stupid things, just worthless things, just perverted things, it you can't close your eyes during worship and say God's living in me because they can't coexist. If you're battling with it, if you're struggling with it, that's one thing, but if that's a constant in your life, if that's something that you got used to, if that's like become a part of your life, there's something that's wrong here because God can't coexist with that. And if that's coming out of your mouth, it means that it's inside of you. And, And like I said, you know, the spring, it can't have salt water and fresh water. Have you ever tried... Mixing salt water and fresh water You know what happens to the fresh water It becomes salty What's interesting is that the salty water doesn't become fresh The fresh water becomes salty And that's what happens in your life When you try to mix these two things You end up with darkness You don't end up with light Because it takes over Even though God is stronger When you don't believe in that with your full heart That doesn't apply to you anymore In your case darkness reigns over you, it has control over you and it, it doesn't matter how much uh, light you try to add to it; it's not going to do anything. The only way you can get rid of darkness is to shine the light so much that the darkness just has to flee. Also, in the scripture, it says, "You know." And in, in I remember the first time we went to Vancouver to, to to the G4T conference. I remember that's that that was like kind of like my transition period when I just came came to God, and I just and I still had all these worldly things in my life, and and then you know. God's coming in and and I start having to cut things out of my life. And I remember at that conference, I still had a lot of worldly and secular music. You know, because, you know, before I came to church, obviously I didn't listen to Christian music at all. Then when I came to church, I started adding Christian artists just to my iPod. And I started listening to them more often. And eventually I'd have like a shuffled playlist where I have like secular songs and then Christian songs playing all at once. Because for me, it's like I didn't have that understanding It It was just kind of, well, whatever. I went to that conference, and I remember I remember I was just praying one time, and God just told me, he's like, you have to get rid of, of, of all the secular music. He's like, that doesn't pl- please me. He's like, He's like, Noah, do you realize that you've been filling yourself up with this stuff when you listen to it? And I'm like, oh, how did I not realize this? So I got home. I, remember, I, I still remember this moment. I had, like, my tiny little Acer laptop. I deleted all that music, and I'm like, whew, man, I feel better now. But I remember it's like that transition point, and it's like, and I remember that that is just it came into my mind. It's like, I can't mix this anymore. It doesn't work. If I mix this, eventually I'll go back to where I came from, because that's how it works. You see that often in people's life. You see when they try, they come to God, but but it's like they're they're in church, they're in ministry, and they're trying to, to bring their worldly things in the church with them, and it doesn't work. You know, they look like they got it together for, for a couple of months, maybe a year or two. They look like they have it, they're, they're balancing everything out. Then then you look and they're gone. Where'd they go? Where do they go? They went back where they came from. There's that, that that place in scripture where it says when when a person is, is freed from evil spirits, he's free from a while. But if he doesn't fill up that space inside of him with the spirit of God, that spirit will get seven more spirits of, of his kind and it'll go back into that person. It's this cycle that doesn't end unless you bring God into it and God fully, not just God the way you want it to be, but God the way that He is, God the way that, that He describes Himself in His Word. And there's so much things that we fill ourselves. We, fill, uh, we got media, we got TV, movies, the secular music, uh, social networks, uh, and all these things. And we, 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 we like watch this stuff on the computer. We watch this, we fill ourselves with this junk, and then we wonder, why isn't my school club growing? Why is it that when I speak, people aren't getting healed and they're not getting changed? Why is it that I have to constantly debate with people about about things and and I always seem to lose? It's because you don't have the Word of God inside of you. You have some weird, gray, lukewarm thing. And when you start preaching that to people, nobody needs that. People in this world, they need God. They need light. They need the truth in their lives. It says they will know the truth and the truth will set them free. It doesn't, say, it doesn't say just, just a, a little bit of something. No, it says the truth will set them free. If you don't have that truth inside of you, when you speak to people, you can't expect it to come out of you. And that's what happens. We try to mix everything. We're like, what's going on? What's going on? Then we get angry at God. We get disappointed at God because He's not doing anything through us. And we th- throw everything away and get mad, get rebellious, and leave. And I've seen this happen so many times already. I've only been in church for, what, almost six years now. I've seen it happen so many times already to so many different kinds of people that came from different backgrounds, had different stories. God showed up in their life in different ways. And, and, and you hear them talk about this, and you're like, wow, this is amazing. But they don't hold on to it. They try to mix everything together, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And, and, and I notice with myself personally, when I, when I try to mix stuff together, I start comparing myself to other people. You know, I, I you know, watch movies every once in a while is okay for me. You know, because look, they're doing it, and 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 they seem fine. Why can't I do it? I I like to compare myself. Is there anybody who who does that every once in a while? Yeah, I think we're all guilty at some point to to, to comparing ourselves to something. But but we compare. We're like, well, he's doing it. Why can't I do it? You know, well, they're doing it. They're 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 serving. They're, they're, in, they're, they're in that church and they're allowed to do that. Why can't we do that? Why am I not allowed to do that? And, and, and I realized that you can always find somebody to justify what you're doing. You will always find somebody. Somebody will always be there to tell you that what you're doing is right, what you're doing is okay, and God's not mad at you for it. You, trust me, you will always find people like that. They're all around you. It's, you know, it, it, I, it's either, in, either in First John or Romans. I don't know when we were in group, but it says there's a lot of Antichrist around. There are a lot of them around. And they will always be there around you to tell you that it's okay to do what you're doing. When you know deep inside that it's not. And you're just trying to somehow quiet that voice down. Those kind of people will surprisingly always be around you. Always. Doesn't matter how, how much I grow in Christianity. They're still around me to this day. It's, it's different people with different faces, with different words. But they're still saying the same things. They're saying, why are you so radical? Why are you so crazy? Why are you always in church? Is is Sunday not enough for you? you got to be there on Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Why do you need this in your life? They're like, you're too crazy. What you're doing is too much. He's like, we're saved by grace. We're saved by God's mercy. He washed all our sins. He took on our sicknesses. He healed us. He did everything. Hallelujah. We need to be rich. Those kinds of people will always be around you. They will always be there. And if you don't have something firm inside of you, if you don't have something strong inside of you, you're not going to make it. You're going to be like those, those newborn Christians that constantly get swayed by every wave of new teaching. And that's what it's going to be. You're going to hear a teaching in this church. You're going to move to this church. Then you're going to go to, ch- what is it, they call them like church hoppers or something. You hop from one church to another. And you know, you go to this church unless pastor saw, until pastor says something you don't like, then no oh, God's not calling me to be in this church. You find another church to go. He'll always find another church to go into. Because people who have left this church and have gone to another church have been at that church for a while, and then I hear they're hopping to another church now because even though they got a revelation to go to this church, to leave our church and go to this church, they got a powerful revelation from God to go to this church. They knew for sure it was God. Then all of a sudden, they got a powerful revelation that they need to go to this church now. You know what happens eventually to a plant if you keep taking it out of dirt and putting it in more dirt? That's what happens to it. It goes like, it makes that sound. You can't, you got to grow. You got to be firm. You got to, Pastor was talking about that, that tree. It's a uh, sitim, it's an acacia tree, right? Acacia tree in English, and it's like, and, and it talks about how this is not a very tall tree, and we saw these when, when in Israel, they're like this, and then they like have, a, have like more leaves on one side, so like they create this big shape, and they're not that big, but their roots, crazy, it's crazy, and God keeps using that in his scripture as well, he, he, he's like, use this kind of tree, use this kind of tree, use this kind of tree, and that's the kind of tree that's rooted, that's the kind of tree that doesn't shake easily, when there's a storm, that's not the first tree that goes bouncing out. You know, sometimes those big evergreen trees, a little bit of wind shakes and we see a road is closed down because it fell. And you're thinking, What's going on? This thing is like sixty feet tall. It's because the roots weren't deep enough. Doesn't matter how big you can get if your roots aren't big enough to support you. You got nothing. A little bit of a little bit of wind, and you're done. And then you'll get up and go to some other church. <laughs> and it's this thing, it's it's uh we like to justify what we're doing. We like to compare ourselves to others. And, and while he's doing it, why can't I do it? And, 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 we, and we do this constantly. And, and I realized that because I do that, other people probably do that too. And I realized that, hey, if I'm not living right, I might be that person that justifies somebody else's actions. I, got to, I realized this at one point. I'm like, man. I have relatives who are younger than me, and I know that they're watching me. And if I'm being a Christian in church, but I'm not being solid, but I'm not being true to to the way I know God wants me to live, they're watching me. You're being watched all around, whether you realize this or not. There are people watching you, and you can end up being that justification for somebody else's sin you can end up being that stumbling block for somebody else. You, man, especially, man, if you have a younger sibling, you have to understand that they're watching every single step that you take. They can see every single time you have your door closed and you're praying in your room. They can see every time you have the word in front of you. They can see every time that you don't. They're watching every single step that you take. And and when you when you realize that hey i guess my life isn't just about me all the time there's other people around me that's when you start noticing that you're like okay i need to start changing my life something needs to change cuz cuz i might think i'm right with god now but but for some reason i don't see any fruit in my life i don't see anybody getting changed in my uh, th- through through my life through my ministries i don't see any results it's it's because people are watching you and they're like you don't your actions don't 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 add up to to what you're preaching. What you're doing isn't the same as what you're saying. And and it's like and it always it's sad that this is the way it works, but it seems like the people that we influence end up even worse than us. It's like they it's like they look at us and they take all our shortcomings and all our messed up things that that we're deciding to do. It's like they multiply that and they end up a lot worse off than, than we are even, and we're just kind of being in church and christians and, and everything's fine and we're being watched we and we have to understand that we have to understand that that when we make poor decisions, somebody else is justifying justifying those things and that's why we need that word inside of us that's why we need to constantly open it up, constantly read it uh renew our minds you know like like it says in uh in, in Romans chapter twelve verse two you know it says you know and, and So renewal of your mind there you go renew your mind read the word you will renew your mind and um and then i just started thinking about uh things that jesus commanded us to do you know it says that god placed his word above everything else he said that's this is the most important thing he says this this word became flesh and there was jesus and and, and he said, this is higher than my name. This is higher than everything. So I started thinking about, okay, so what did Jesus actually tell us to do? And I started thinking about all this. I wrote down six things. This is not all that Jesus said. This is just six things that uh, that, that, that came to me that I want to speak about. And, and these you can actually open up because we're going to start in the book of Matthew. And we're just going to keep going like that. And we're going to end up in the book of John. So Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. It says, From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. First thing that Jesus said, that, 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 that he commanded to do is, is he said, Repent. He said, For the kingdom of God is near. He said, Repent. In in you know repentance is not just coming out here to the altar and just asking for forgiveness and then going back to your usual life and doing the same thing that's not repenting that's that's like butchering your conscience or something that's not repentance true repentance is when you you, you don't even have to come out here but you come out here, whatever, and you're just crying before God, and you understand that, that, that you want to change, and you don't want this in your life, and when you go back to your seats, you start thinking about, okay, what do I need to change so that I don't fall back into those things? It's when there's, there's a process starts in your life. When that process starts, okay, it means that, that, that you're repenting. If you're, if you don't see any process, if you see like the same cycle over and over and over again, you got to dig deeper into yourself you got to find out, you're like, okay, why is this happening? Why do I keep going back? It means I don't care about it enough. It means I don't care about changing it as, as, as much as I should. And, and and you go into that, and you just start, start thinking. You just start praying. You're just saying, God, uh, give me freedom from this, God. God, break these chains into my life. I, I want to serve you, and this is holding me back. And that process, if you don't see that process in your life, it means you have to dig deeper. You have to dig deeper. You have to keep searching. You have to be like, okay, God, I know this is wrong. With my head, I understand that this is wrong. And, and I think I'm repenting when I'm coming out, but I don't see results. What am I doing wrong? What do I need to do? When, it's like when, when you, it, it, says, it says in the Bible that we're not allowed to test God. It says that you shouldn't test God. But I noticed in my life that when I have a pure heart before God, and I ask him a question or, or I ask him to, to do something crazy in my life, he always responds every single time when my heart is pure and when I know for sure that I'm not just doing it just to just to see something magical and something amazing, but I'm doing it because I need an answer from God. Every time I come before God like that, doesn't matter how crazy my request has been, He's always answered it. When I have some, some prideful ambition about it, when I'm just like, oh, I just want to see a miracle, never happens. Never happens. But when you have a pure heart, when you're saying, God, I want this to change. I want this to happen. Is this really you? Is this really your will? He shows up every single time, and he said, "Repent, for the kingdom of of heaven is at hand." Next place is Matthew chapter six, verse thirty three. It says, "But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be will be will be added to you, or will be given to you." He said, "Seek first the kingdom of God." Now, and I was thinking about this again this week. I'm like okay what does that mean seek first the kingdom of god is like is there ever a line of like where that seek first the kingdom of god is where i can like start putting other things in front of it i'm like is there ever anything that i can put above seeking god's will first is there like it's like and these thoughts start coming to you like, okay, okay you're, you're, you're getting married here soon. Maybe you need to, to slow down in ministry a little bit. Maybe you need to, 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 to focus on your family. You need to do this. And these thoughts start coming to you. And, and, then, and then I read this verse and they don't make sense to me anymore. Because it says, seek first the kingdom of God. If I know that this is where God wants me to be, if I know that this is His will, why would I ever put anything in front of that? And, and, and these thoughts constantly come to me, not just with this, even, even before this time, just, just different things. He's like, you're doing six million things at once. You know, why don't you just quit everything except one thing and just focus on that one thing but quit everything else. And it's like, but I know that God didn't just give me one talent to do one thing. He gave me three talents or he gave me five talents or he gave me ten talents. I can't just use up one of them and come back to him with 11 talents and say, here, I kind of did it. It's not good enough. If he gave me ten things I need to do, I gotta do ten things. And in the end, I gotta end up with twenty as the result. It's like, okay, I had ten, I made ten more, I have twenty. I have, I have five, I made five more, I have ten. You know, it's not, it's not, it's, and it's like I read this verse and it's like there's nothing that I can ever every time I try to put something in front of seeking God's God's kingdom and, and his righteousness, every time I try to put something in there, it's like God always just and blows it out of there. I don't it's like I it's like the flesh in me like rises up and I try to squeeze something in there and nope, God takes it out. It's like I try well what about this? Nope. Well what about this? Nope. So seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be given to you. You want to go on a mission trip. You know that's what God's calling you to do. You know for sure that that this is the trip that you need to go on. You know for sure that that, hey, this is where I need to be during this time. Oh, but my finances aren't there. Oh, but I got work. Oh, but I got school. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be given to you. Even if you get fired from your job, something better will be given to you. And I'm not just throwing words around. I'm putting my trust in God's word. I'm putting my trust in this verse where he says, if I seek his kingdom first, everything else will be taken care of. I'm putting my faith in God. I'm taking a leap of faith. When you start doing things like that, it's like you just make this decision. you just like, I'm going to do this and that's it. Then you'll notice after a while, your faith gets activated and you start actually believing the action that that, that you decided to do. You start believing that, hey, I can actually go even though I don't have $3,000 to go to Africa right now. But you know for sure that that's where God wants you to be. And you'll know, and, and he will just Make everything work out in such a way that at the end of the trip you're looking back onto it and you're like, what just happened in my life? How did this happen? But when you never make decisions like that, when you keep limiting yourself and you're saying, no, I got school, I got work, I just can't go. And you're constantly missing out on where God wants you to be and you're constantly missing out on what he wants you to do. And then it's like you go somewhere and you expect him to use you there and he's like, well, I can't use you here. You're not ready to be used here yet. Your faith is weak. I put you through a test and you failed. I can't use you right now. You have to go back to square one. You have to go through the same test again until you pass. And a lot of people end up being like Israel and they just walk around in circles for 40 years. The same things happen to them over and over and over again. God saved them. Because he found somebody that's righteous, somebody with a pure heart. God saved them. God lifted, lifted them up. They had victory in, 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 in war. Their army was the, was the biggest. Then they got prideful. They forgot God. They forgot about what he did. And they go back into the same pit that they came from they go back in there. Everybody's oppressing them. People are dying. They're away from God. They start making idols and start worshiping them. Then God starts destroying them. Then somebody like Moses rises up and says, God, please don't destroy them on my behalf. Then he's like, okay, I'm going to save them again. He saves them. He puts them back up. He lifts them up. And then they go back and do the same thing over and over and over again. And the same thing happens in our life. God puts us in, in a situation where we're in church. We're in church on a Friday night. There's a football game going on over there with hundreds of young people going crazy. There are clubs filled with young people going crazy right now. We're in a church on a Friday night in America hearing the Word of God. We have we are set if we want, we can never go back into this world again if we have that desire inside of us. God put us in a situation where we can't fail unless we, we d- decide to fail. And, and he puts us here, and then he puts us through a test, and he says, just have faith in me. He says, just, just be faithful to me. Just, just read my word and believe the words that I'm speaking to you. And we go back because our jobs are, are too important to us, because our school is, is, I can't miss one day of school. I just can't miss a day of school. I'm going to die if I miss a day of school. Or, or if, if, I, if I, I can't take three days off, off of work, you know, in a row. Take a leap of faith. Go up to your boss. Look him straight in the face. Look him. Say, say, I need three days off right here. Well, sorry, you can't have three days. Well, then I quit. I had that kind of talk with my boss. I said, well, I quit. And he says, what do you mean you quit? I'm like, I can't work here. It's keeping me from God's will. And he says, okay, 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 let's figure something out. And we figured it out, and I got three days off. And you know why? It's because when I'm at work, I'm not lazy. I'm not taking advantage of my opportunities. You work hard. You do everything that you can in the time that, that you have at work. And when you want to take three days off, they're so scared of losing you because you mean so much to their company because God has given you that ability to do all that at work that they're willing to do whatever you want almost. And it's like that balance. But if you never take that first step, a lot of times you don't want to take that first step because a lot of times it cycles back because you know you're so lazy at work that your boss doesn't want to do anything for you. And he's happy to fire you. <laughs> It's like he's waiting for an opportunity to fire you. He's looking for a chance. He's like, go on, do something wrong. Do something wrong. Do that, you're fired. You know? But when you have that balance in your life, when you have that balance in your life, when you're seeking God's will above everything else, you know, you'll you'll read that scripture where it says, uh, uh, everything that you do, do it as if you're doing for the Lord. Then you start working as you're doing it for the Lord. And then... And then when, when, when you need days off, you'll have that, that boldness to ask for the days off. And it's like and it's like a good cycle now because they see your hard work, they see your faithfulness, and they're willing to do that for you. They're whatever, go for it. Just make sure you're, you're caught up. Make sure you're afterwards and you're like, Yeah, I'll take it. But when you never take that step, when you never put God's kingdom first, none of this stuff will happen. And then you'll you'll hear other people talking about miracles and and God like throwing money on them from, from the sky and, they're, and them having money to go on these mission trips, and you're like, why doesn't this happen in my life? It's because they took that step that you're choosing not to take. It's because they, they're like, I don't see what's happening. I just know God wants me to go in this direction, and I'm just going to go. When you start doing that, then you'll see miracles in your life. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26, Jesus said, Take up your cross and follow me. He says, take up your cross and follow me. It's, and this is where it starts getting difficult. <laughs> this is where we're putting God's kingdom first is, is pretty much being tested because the cross is, is the one thing I always, when I, when I see a cross, you know, some people are like, you know, the cross is a picture of victory. That's where, where, that's where God be, uh, uh, beat death. That's where, that's where that, and it's like, yeah, that's awesome. But I don't know, when I look at a cross, I see pain. I see pain. I see Jesus hanging up there and I see a love so great. Because he's going through that pain. This is not something that he wants to do, but this is something that that he's willingly doing. Because he sees the result in the end. Because he sees every single one of you. He's looking you in the eyes and he's saying, "I am willing to die for you. I'm willing to go through this through this through this suffering for you." And and he says, "Take up your cross and follow me." It means that we have to do the same thing in our lives. We have to completely die to ourselves, just completely, just just get to a point solo. It's like Pastor was talking about recently. It's like it's like you get so discouraged in yourself that you know it's like when you're discouraged in yourself, there's no room for pride to rise up in your life. There's no room for rebellion because you look at yourself as 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 this low person Paul said he's like I'm the worst of all the sinners. And at this point he's an apostle, he's preaching and he says I'm worse. It's cuz he he looks at himself, he's like he's like what I want to do I don't, but what I don't want to do that's what I keep on doing. And he's looking at himself from this point of view where he's like he understands that without God he's nothing. And when you get to that point when you when you willingly take up that cross, when you whatever it may be in your life, there's we're all different, we all have different things that we need to, 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 to get on our cross for. There's different things that we each as people that we struggle with. And, and when you make that decision that, God, no matter what, I want to go after you. I want to seek you, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm ready to die for you. I'm ready to, 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 to follow you. He says in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. You know, these are things where it's just like we we realize, okay, it's like Jesus saying these things that are important, but when you realize that God placed His Word above everything else, you start looking at these scriptures differently. You're like, okay, man, these are the very words of Jesus. It says, go and make disciples of all nations. It says, go and preach the gospel. Like I said before, you can't preach the truth if you don't have it inside of you. You can't go to, to... to, to nations, you might, you might be able to go to Africa. You'll do some good there. They'll like you because they like white muzungas They'll like you even if you, whether you have God inside of you or not. They're just excited to see white people. But there won't be a result. You won't get used by God. Unless you have that truth inside of you. Then you'll even just be sitting with a person. You won't need a microphone. You won't need a crowd of people. With, with, it's, like, it's like this crowd of people and you see these eyes staring at you and you're like, Oh man, what do they want from me? And you don't even need that. You'll just sit with one person, and you'll and you'll and you'll and you'll speak to them. I still remember the 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 most powerful thing for me in Africa was when we were at a when we were at a, at an orphanage where that older kids, and it's where that uh, British guy, messed up British guy, was in charge of the orphanage. I remember I was talking to one of the to, to one of the young people. Man, he just like got stuck on me. He would not leave me alone. He, and he starts asking me all these questions. He's like, "So you're from America, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah." He's like. And I could tell he's nervous. I'm like, why are you nervous? He's like, well, from America, all preachers talk about his prosperity and everything good. And I'm like, no, I don't talk about that kind of stuff. He's like, oh, okay. He's like, okay. And he's like, okay, what about like, and he started telling me about that that, that one country that like accepted gay marriage in in Africa, Uganda. He's like, they accepted. He's like, what do you think about that? I'm like, what do you mean what do I think about that? That's a sin. That's disgusting. He's like, oh, okay, you're not like Americans. I'm like, okay, I'm not like Americans. I'm Russian, but I'm Jewish. But I say Russian in Mexico because they like Russians. But anyways, I'm not American. And he's like, and he starts opening up to me, and he's like, we're here at this orphanage, and, 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 and we have this leader, and he hates God, and he tells us not to read the word, and he, and he makes fun of us, and he's like, what do I do? I'm like, what do you mean, what do you do? But read his word every single day. Keep seeking him first above everything else. Even if you never get out of this situation, keep doing this every single day of your life what else can you tell him? I don't know. What else can I tell him? I could have told him, hey, one day God will bring you out of here. You'll move to America. You'll have a nice house. You'll have a nice job. You'll have an awesome wife and all these kids, and then and, and you'll be rich and all that. Yeah, and he would have felt happy. He would have probably believed me. But no, it's like when you have the truth of God, that, that thought doesn't even come to your mind. It's just, it's just, he's like asking you a question. You don't even think about it. You just start speaking, and you're like, "Where did that come from?" I mean, I need to write that down to use it later for myself. And it's like, because when you have that truth inside of you, it, it 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 comes. I remember when I just came to church where I got on fire on fire for God. You guys are going to laugh, but it's okay. I'm kind of the kind of person I don't care if people laugh. But I remember I used to stare in the mirror and I used to preach to myself. Seriously, I used to just preach to myself, and I'm like, man. Eh. And I realized it's because I have the Word of God inside of me. And I don't have anybody to talk to. <laughs> it's like, I just got to let it out. And I just stand in front of the mirror for hours and I just preach and I'm like, I read this scripture. And, and it's like, whoa. And it's like, Joel Stockstill. is like, I remember he said one time, he's like, when you get filled with the Word of God, he's like, you'll start preaching to cats. You'll start preaching to dogs. You'll start preaching to anybody who's going to listen to you. And it, it's true. It's like, it's like it says in a. In uh, Jeremiah, I believe it says it says your word is like a fire shut up in my bones. That's what happens. It's like it fills you. It's inside of you, and then you just can't help but let it out. It's like you're talking to somebody, and you're like, "Well, God doesn't like that." They're like, "What do you mean God doesn't like that?" I'm like, "That's what I mean." God doesn't. Know. And you're like, "Where did this all come from?" I'm not bold. I know myself. I don't like people. <laughs> I know myself. I don't like people. I don't like talking to them. But but it's like when you when you get this word inside of you. God just starts using you in all these situations. You just start speaking through, and you're like, praise God. I still don't like people, but praise God. (laughs) And then eventually you start liking people after a while. He says, and we'll get to that later. And then in Luke chapter 21, verse 36, Jesus says, watch therefore and pray always. He says, always be in prayer, always. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I think, verse 12, I may be wrong, but it says, Always be praying. Always be in prayer. Always be in prayer. And I, and I remember there was a point in my life where it's just, I'd wake up in the morning, I would pray. Then as I'm driving to work, I'm praying the whole time. Then as as I'm working, I'm, I am have worship music and I'm constant and I'm praying all day long. And I remember I just had this point, it's like, always be in prayer. And it's like, now I look back on myself and I'm like, man, how do I do that again? That was crazy. It's like, but it, it's like, it's, Jesus said, always be in prayer because... It, he says before that he says keep watch or, or watch therefore he says you know keep watch meaning there are people that are against you meaning there's somebody who's trying to destroy you be on guard and always be in prayer because when when we're in prayer you know it's, that's when we get filled up you know that's when, when that's when God enters into us he's like you know and once again if you have that inside of you you'll just want to pray it's just coming out of you you know, and you'll just be sitting there all day. And it's like, I remember I used to work on cameras, and I'm just like praying in tongues the whole day, just like praying. Then I'm like, then I remember somebody, and I'm like, God, bless this person. God, ooh, he's, he's going through struggles right now. Bless them. Bless them. Then it's like this random person comes up to my mind, and I'm like, God, I don't even know why this person came to my mind. Just bless them, whatever they're going through. And just all day, you're just, you're just moving and moving in, 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 in the spirit, and you're just praying. And he says, well, watch, therefore, and pray always. And the last place is uh, in John chapter 13 verses 34 through 35 and uh, this place I actually want to read because this is something that God's really uh, speaking to me lately he says a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you oh it says as I have loved you that you also love one another by this all by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another it's like what does that mean to have love for somebody? What does that mean to 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 love somebody as God loved us? It's like going back to to when you realize that people are watching you, and it's like even there were moments in my life where I'm like, what I know that what I'm doing is not wrong for me. I know that I'll survive if I do it, but somebody else might be led astray because it because it might be somebody else's weakness. And when they look at me doing it, they might justify their actions, and they'll be led astray. And there have been moments where I just had to cut things out of my life, not because they were wrong, but because just they could lead someone else astray. Well, it's like I could do it, and I'll be fine, but I have to cut it out just so that others won't be tempted by it. And you know, that's a form of love for people, if anything, because it's like you love this person so much. Because usually when you do something like that, there's a specific person you have in mind, too. When you're like, I know this person is struggling with this, and he's looking up to me, and he's watching me, and he sees that I'm doing that, and because of that, I'm holding him back. And it's like you're like you have so much love for the person, you're like, I'm I'm willing to lay down anything. You know, Paul reached such a high level of, of love that he said, I would rather be denied by Christ so that my brother would get accepted. Or like some it's like you know, and I want to get to that point. I want to get to that point. I want to reach that level of love where I can say, God, save this person. I'm willing to lose myself just to save this person, just to just to see them in, in, in heaven. And, you know, and I'm sure when you say, even when you say a prayer like that with a humble heart, you will never fall away from God because God will see your heart. God, you know, like I talked about before, God sees your heart more than your actions He doesn't care about what you're doing as much as your heart behind it you know and if he sees that you're saying that prayer with a humble heart and it, it's like he'll just start moving when it's like he needs to see that that, that humble heart It's like when when, when uh, Israel was in wickedness and and there was somebody from one of the the temple whatever servants, ministers, whatever you want to call them brought a prostitute into their tent and there's that guy named phineas who was just filled with the zeal of god inside and who was just filled with that and he just went in there with a spear and he killed both of them when it's not even the action so much as as the zeal behind it because afterwards god said, because of his zeal for me it's like because of of his heart and how how he understood that he's in god's courts that he's in god's temple and there's impurity and he's like i have to do something i have to this is wrong this and it's like because of that his whole family was blessed. And, and 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 Israel was restored. It's like that's the kind of love we need to have for one another. Where it's like when we see somebody around us and we see that they're falling away from God, we don't just kind of pat them on the back, and say, It's okay, you're trying your best. No, you 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 talk to them, you reach you reach out, you say, What's the problem? Why are you doing this? Why are you making these decisions? Do you realize that if you keep doing this, this is the result you will have? Is this what you want for your life? Do you want to die and go to hell? It's like it's hard to say these things to people. It's hard to have, to have talks like that with people. But, but a lot of times, you, you're filled with so much love for the person that you can't say anything else because you know that this is the truth, because you know that this is what they need to hear. And it's like if you don't have that love inside of you, you could say the same exact words without love and you'll have no result. You can just slap somebody across the face with your words. And they'll get even further away from God. They'll have no desire to turn back. But when you have love, you know, a per- when, when a person talks to me and tells me that I'm doing something wrong and I look in their eyes, I can see when they're saying it with love or when they're, when they're doing it just to kind of like, I'm over you, what's up? You can see because you're looking in their eyes and they're like, what can I do to help you? What can I do? Let's pray together. Let's fast together. Let's do this. I want to help you. Start texting me every time you do this. Start texting me every time you fall. Start doing this. Start doing this. And it's like you can see that that he's not just trying to bring you down. He's trying to to help you in a way. He's trying to. And that's what we need to be for other people. God is telling us to go and preach the gospel. You know, when when the disciples got the breads and they brought it to Jesus, he's like, here, Jesus, here's the bread. And he says, you go feed them. He says, you go and feed them. And then as they were feeding them, the bread was multiplying. They're like, wow, this loaf of bread is just not ending. It's like they're tearing off a piece and it's like they're looking up and they look back down and they're tearing off the same piece. It's because we need to go and preach. We need to go into this world. Jesus was already on this earth. He ascended. He's not going to come back here and go around Galilee and go around Jerusalem preaching to people. That's our job. He says, and then we're going to have two more scriptures, and then we're going to pray, and we'll be done. It says, uh, in John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, then keep my commandments. Just as simple as that. He said, If you love me, keep my commandments. And then in, in John chapter 15, verse 14, Jesus said, pretty much that If you do what I say, you will be my friend. Those two places in scripture. And, and, and I, I just spoke, and you know, the, the six things I spoke about those aren't the only commands that Jesus said he said don't don't put your put your trust in riches but store your your treasures up in heaven He said that that you can't serve both God and riches he said he said that you need to to pray to the God of the harvest pray that he sends more workers into the field he says in Malachi he's, he, he says you know tithe your money to to my house he says this is the one thing you're allowed to test me in even he says just tie the money and just trust in me like, and he gave us all these commands. And Jesus says, if you love me, then, 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 then you'll keep my commandments. If, if, you, if you trust in me, if, if you obey me, then you'll be my friend. Just as simple as that. And, 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 you know, when we think about that, we start reading the Scripture in a different way. Because we start reading the Scripture, and you're like, wow, these are the words of Jesus. And he's telling me to do something. This, this isn't something that he's just telling everybody. He's telling me. He's personally talking to me as I'm reading this. When he says, go and preach the gospel, he's not Jesus often, it's like he had crowds around him. And then he goes off to a place just to preach to one woman at the well. And that's it. That's the only reason he goes to that location. It's, you're thinking, Jesus, the more effective ministry is to be in Jerusalem where there's lots of people, where there's lots of space where you could preach to many people at once. It's like that's more effective. You'll reach, to more, reach out to more people. He, go, he goes off. And he talks to the lady at the well. It's like crowds are following him, and he constantly escapes. He constantly goes up in the deserts. He's constantly praying somewhere by olive trees. And it's like, and, and, and when I think about how, how he's so, like, one-on-one with every person, it's like I read the words. I don't read it just, okay, this is what God said to all Christianity. Yeah, that too, but this is what God said to me. He told me to repent. He told me to seek the kingdom of heaven. He told me to take up my cross. He told me to go and make disciples. He told me to always be in prayer and to love one another. He told me these things. It's like, I have to do them. I want to make Him happy. I want to I want to come to heaven and I want to be able to look Him in the eyes. Even though I probably won't be able to because His glory is just so amazing. But it's like, I want to be able to stand there and and... And just hear those words, good and faithful servant. You know know what you did, what I told you to do. You know, I want to hear that. So let's all just stand up. I just want us to start praying. We'll just.